Welcome to CIO Leadership Live UK. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director, CIO Communities, and I'm very excited to introduce and welcome Dr. Roxanne Heaton, CIO, Macmillan Cancer Support. Roxanne, please introduce yourself and could you tell us a little bit about your current role? Thanks so much, Lee, and it's lovely to be here today. So as, as mentioned, my name is Roxanne Heaton, Chief Information Officer um, of one of the UK's largest cancer charities, which is Macmillan Cancer Support. And I'm responsible for technology and digital and data of, of the organisation. We're 98% funded by fundraising and with a size of a FTSE 250. So it's really important we spend our money wisely for people living with cancer. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I really appreciate you joining us here today, Roxanne. We've created the series to support diversity in technology and to listen to women working in the sector who are building and supporting DE&I. This year, IDW theme was Embrace Equity. So the first question, can you please tell us a little bit about your own career path and provide some insights or tips on that road path? As a woman especially, are there any lessons learned that you could share? It's a really great question, and I think it's applicable for any sector. Um, I went to an all-girls boarding school and then straight into university doing engineering. So where there were only seven females, our course nearly 100. So it was straight into a very different world. Um, and I think what I've always learned, um, especially with someone who I've got stammer, so I'm, I'm always aware of different superpowers and everyone's got superpowers and it's about maximising those um, because we're all, we're all very different. So I've had a squiggly a career, um, which I think is hugely valuable, um, especially in discussions with people. We're all different. We all bring different perspectives to the table. So I started my career in the Royal Navy um, after a quick stint in banking, actually, uh, which got me really hungry for making sure we did um, great things with money and the most efficient things with money. But yeah, I spent 12 years in the Royal Navy, um, which I think really has embedded my instinctive uh, um, ambitions and, and behaviours of teamwork and being a team member first and, and, a, and a leader second. But actually, a, a, a leader is 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 everyone's responsibility. Um, really lucky to uh, jump from there to Morrison's, one of the UK's largest supermarkets, um, which is an end-to-end -end retailer. So everything from farm to fork. It's a hugely interesting. I hope I can touch on some, some insight there later. But everything I learned through all of that um, really, again, just, just showed me that whatever skill you bring, it can you can you, you, you can bring a different view. So finding different allies and different people who could champion you um, was, I think, hardest in my early early time but actually it's been super interesting as I've gone on late in my career to find people um, who I really learn from are those around my network um, and that's where I get my greatest learning but actually those are my greatest allies too and it probably took me a little while to, to realize that so building your relationships across the networks are the best thing you can do. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. And it looks like, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, and it segues really well into the next question. So um, I was researching some data around women in technology in the UK, and some new data um, reveals that the proportion of female employees in the UK, in UK tech, has declined for the first time in five years by over 2%. Now, this has also happened in Canada, which is very interesting. So it looks like it might be a bit of a, a worldwide global phenomenon. This study actually revealed that under 15% of IT directors are women in the sector in the UK. So you are really a big supporter of diversity and equity. And I was wondering if what you could share what you believe organizations could do to support diverse workforces. Gosh, it's a really concerning stat, isn't it? And it's um, yeah. it's something that after so much work by a lot of people across, across the globe to increase stats of female leaders, female CEOs, and, and definitely females in technology, it's really concerning. So why is it it's going to be something to, to, to really unpack? Um, but it's not only just concerning for the workforce we have, it's concerning for the solutions that we're 
designing. And that's why it's so important that we really address this. So we must normalize the conversation. A big thing that I try and do is talk in business outcomes, make sure it's really open that non-tech techies, as I try and call people, add huge amount and just as much value, if not more value. If you talk about the user, you're a technologist um, because everybody uses technology and I, and I would love to hear from everybody. So it's about getting in early as well and making it, and making it relevant for people back to normalizing, help people understand what value they can bring to the technology sector, um, but, it's, but, but it's not good enough. So um, we've worked really hard in terms of making new routes from sideways routes through retraining and also realizing not everyone's a unicorn. So as long as we can talk about clear development plans, and that's for, for everyone, not 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 just females. Um, we can support everyone to grow. So we've now currently got forty percent female in an organisation, uh, which is fantastic in 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 technology. And I've got over fifty percent females on my leadership team. And we've gone from from almost what for one one out of twelve to fifty percent, which is fantastic. But we must keep pushing that and having those role models. There's that um there's our old phrase that you, you can't be what you can't see. So we need, need more diversity of lots of different demographics. At, at all different spaces in people's careers and understanding what are the detractors. You mentioned that 2%, let's work out why. So yeah, it's really, really important. Yeah, I think it is. And given that you said you started your career in engineering, I mean, I think there's that as ability to look at how younger women are looking at STEAM versus STEM and bringing the arts. And you talked about the soft skills, like making sure that people have, you know, we recognize people's skills outside of technology. That seems to be trending a lot in these conversations I'm having, like we want people to bring in skills. And then a lot of the, um, you know, male allies I've been speaking to in the tech industry have been saying, you know, look, we know that women don't apply for jobs if they only have 50 or 60% of their skills, they, they don't think they should, whereas men will. And so, you know, just the male allies that are encouraging and looking at those applications that come in encouraging women to apply, I think that's such an important part. So, and just as you mentioned right now, having this dialogue is so impactful for me. Every time I speak to a woman who's working in the sector to talk about their career and when they've come, I gain some insights myself. So I, I really appreciate um, you sharing that very much. You mentioned in the beginning that you've had a career in various sectors um, and a lot of CIOs I speak with talk about knowledge gained by working across sectors, you know, and the key learnings in their career through that. Um, you've worked both in private and public sector and now you're in the charitable sector. So could you please provide some insights on how you utilize your learnings between sectors and perhaps why cross sector learning is, is really important? So when I think about this question, I think about our user. Our user doesn't care that um, I only work in the charity sector or the public sector or the private sector. They don't just experience one sector. They bounce across each sector and they expect um, the same sort of level of service. Um, not that everyone expects the Amazon experience if one, if one wanted to shop at, at Amazon, but absolutely um, it's about keeping up with Joneses. Um, so it's not good enough to just think that oh, because I'm a, I'm a charity, I, 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 I'm, it's okay that I offer a less good experience, joint experience than other sectors. So I think always keeping punching is, is really important uh, because otherwise the users will go elsewhere and they'll get their service from, from elsewhere and they'll do donate them money elsewhere from my perspective. And that's why I mentioned that net networking is so important and, and huge learnings from across different peers and network. We're all hungry to do the same thing. There's not enough money to go around to reinvent the wheel and the wheel doesn't need to be reinvented in a lot of places. Um, we can learn from each other as we're going on each each journey into different use of technologies and, and, and soft skills and sharing diversity 
So um, it's, whatever I've learned, be it either packing boxes, Christmas boxes in a warehouse, or understanding the fish scanning line at Grimsby, for example, to look at um, to look inside fishes and make sure that they are a good enough quality, or even the, the very high tech potato sorter at one of our, our manufacturing sites, just to give a few examples of the of, of a supermarket that you'd see behind the, the shop front. I always think about how technology, the user, the journey, the efficiency, the people are so valuable in that. Um, and so often when I'm talking to different stakeholders and users, um, when I think about different experiences I've had across those different sectors, I try and I always think there's a different way to solve a problem and that they'll always come up with something that's got certain friction. And always I find um, an analysis I can do from, from, a, from a sector that I've been in um, to finding new ways to solve old problems, I think. Um, so the charity sector is no different to other sector, um, even whether there's, so there's the same stakeholder pressures. We've all got shareholders, daily profit and loss targets, but just different things that we're looking at or regulatory Im Im implications or even when there's no regulatory Im implications. But we can, again, keep up the Joneses. We can really push ahead and look outside the global trends as well, because someone could have done it um, out, out there. And so why not? So my, my only advice is always think differently, mm. always keep hungry. And so you can stay ahead of the game. And that's absolutely by looking across sector and across the world. I love that. And, you know, when you talk about across the world and in the charitable sector, you know, a few years back, the UK um, introduced the tap to pay at a lot of events, right? And so instead of having to put your five pounds in or whatever into the donation box, you could just tap your card. Well, that hadn't come out in Canada, but it was learnings through charities here that saw it happening over there went, oh my God, this is amazing. And so like the baking industry did a whole innovation around that in the UK, which again, you talk about global learning. So I'm really, I appreciate you bringing that up because that is such an important part of it. And obviously again, your background working at Morrison's having that opportunity to look at, you know, how food is processed and probably looking at blockchain and other things just, just again, enhances your role that you're in now because you're having those outside learnings a CIO at a roundtable said to me once, or we were at a roundtable talking about cloud and all sorts of things. And but the one CIO said, you know, people do expect the end user does expect that Amazon experience. You know, order one day and get it the next. Or the we talked about the Okado experience of food delivery or whatever. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I wanted to really talk about um, tech for good. Uh, it really seems to be with a lot of the CIOs, especially in the UK, talking about this and really being in intentional about looking at that. And the last time we spoke, you spoke about your passion for tech for good, really to support inclusion of underrepresented communities in accessing technology. And you made a really interesting point to me around, you know, building data models that can really help inform that. So really being uh, intentional and working with data to understand where you can, you know, uh, support underrepresented communities. So could you please discuss this and perhaps some of the ways you believe leaders and organizations can support this? This is a huge question. And um, I think, again, it's super exciting. I probably think your, your last comment, actually, about um, different sectors and globally as well. Because when I think about Blockbuster, which is a, a UK film hiring com company, I always say you don't want to turn into a Blockbuster. Um, so the need was there to change, but it happened a little bit too late. And I think that's really interesting about that global thing as well and about doing doing tech for good. The nations who are really leapfrogging are actually some of those who um, are furthest behind in terms of digital inclusion. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to not be com not be complacent. Um, there were some really some really groundbreaking activities in um, different areas of the world who were who are leapfrogging us in 
uh, tap to pay you've mentioned because they need to. And I think that need is so critical. And so when I think about looking at different data models, I've got um, some, di some different viewpoints on joining up different data models from different societal data, for example, and the, and the power of that, because we, we, we naturally only look at the boundaries that, the, 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 that we sit in or the data sets that we, that we currently see. And so by thinking differently, by looking into, the, into space, as one of my peers would say, and just searching for new stars, you can find different insight. And so when I think about the charity sector that I work in, I currently serve a certain portion of people living with cancer. That's not good enough. And so where's everyone else going? So when I think how I can solve that, I think what could help join that up? I've got a different experience from when I worked in central government at the height of COVID, when um, we um, we formulated the discussions to join up different data sets from across government departments. And what the, the power of that showed is that through aggregated data sets that were anonymized and um, had, a, a, had a nationwide view but localized impact, you could see the, the different impact of different data sets being joined up. So for example, uh, water data or people on the number of people on the road and you can see that you can see the, the transmissions for example either increase or, or decrease and I think this is the same thing that can happen a different example that um, is using open data sets or um, data sets from other uh, other other organizations that can be shared um, it's for example linked to social care so um, what at what point in a social care ecosystem can you apply a certain lever and the individual will not go back to social care like a rubber band and so it's understanding those data sets and understanding what well, actually if you apply that lever over and over again you can remove that child and all their dependents from social care and break and break the trend and i think that's so important because obviously it's the data the data out there but we in society aren't using it or we're trying to hold hold on to it so closely but actually we all know it's there and different people are using it for different activities I and mean, we've all been doing it naturally even offline so as a retailer for example that someone would look out see it's raining or see there's a film being shown at a local cinema and they'd adjust their their offering um so we people naturally have done it for years but actually what can we do if we actually harness the power of data that's sitting in systems making sure it's safe and controlled and that people's trust and can people's control of their data is really clear, but actually showing the benefits really with through real life applications. Um, if we look at different societies that achieve this really, really well throughout COVID, they de democratized the trust um, and they democratized data control and input to discussions. And it really in increased people's engagement with the activity and the trust in the entire system. And therefore onwards, they could understand the motivators and detractors from using digital tools. So I think it's really, really powerful um, as an, one element of tech for good. Um, and but it's so there's so many foundations to be put in place before we get on to shiny new things such as like, well, not just AI, but elements of AI or other things, because there's people need to want to trust their system. So um, foundations are really important as as, as part of that. You're really inspiring me. Thank you so much for answering that, because I'm thinking we're going to our next question, which is going to be about innovation and Gen AI. But, you know, I think what you're saying is we have an op and, and what I'm hearing is almost we have this opportunity right now with this new inflection point in tech and maybe quantum. You know, I feel like quantum is really coming in behind. So there's that opportunity to potentially look at how we're 
connecting this data. Imagine at the speed of which we could do things quicker and faster and support individuals and how we could share. And if corporations were aligned to that to make ensure there was, you know, because I think of organizations that donate food to food banks or other organizations. Imagine if that was all connected, how that would really change the world. So yeah, you're really, it's very inspirational. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and I did want to go through to our last question, which is, I'm asking everybody this question right now. Um, and the theme is really around innovation in Gen AI. So, uh, you know, obviously Gen AI and LLMs are very prevalent right now in discussions about innovation and just in discussions about technology, really. So could you share your views on that and perhaps some of the ways you're looking at to, to deploy or what you are seeing in the market? So if I think about this, and I'm really a big fan of shiny toys, um, but shiny toys that are bound with the, their limitations and the open discussion, um, is definitely a place for keeping up and understanding what's out in the market and play and playing safely. But at the same time, I think there are some foundations that could be thought about. If I use an example, one of my wonderful medical team, who I'm really privileged to work with because they work directly with the front line, um, is that I think about we need to recontextualize. We've got a really, real critical, exciting point in a technological revolution um, or evolution um, to think, to recontextualize, not, not just do as we've always done. So arthritis, for example, has been treated the same way since the 1950s and one data set of white middle-aged men from the north of Manchester in, in the UK. Why do we still do that? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, it becomes really apparent that actually the medical treatments are very different um, now. And so the same solution of fix is, it, it isn't working. So in the same way, how can we use the opportunity with AI and large language models and whatever's going to come next um, in order to recontextualize, go back to the bones. What actually is the user needing and how can we solve that problem? Because no doubt it will create more discussions about dependencies and also get rid of the wasted effort, all those processes and um, also will expose second order effects of using AI and, uh, and LMMs. This is an example, if you make the, 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 the hospital portal route more efficient, of course, um, it's going to open up more bed spaces. But some of, the, so some of the examples, if we just map them out and think a bit broader, we can think about different, different implications. So for me, it's about exciting people about the opportunities of data to really talk to people about ethics and talk to people about biases and help people understand. But it's that excitement more than everything to bring others on, on the journey. Um, because at the end of the day, we're all looking to make the huge variant better, but it must be secure, resilient, and joined up and, uh, and efficient because all of these things are really expensive as well. So we all, we, I think some, some of us know some of the pricing models for some new AI systems through our hyper vendors are starting to be trial and go live. It's extortionate, frankly. And mm -hmm. so I, I, as a charity, can't keep up. So how can we all get on this bus and be supporting the users in the same way? including those those vendors else there'll be people who will be left, be left behind and it's i don't i don't mind if it's us but i'm really conscious of the person using the system because if we're being left behind then the user who most needs our services will absolutely be left behind and they're the they're, and they're, they're the people I'm, I'm i'm worried about so have i answered your question in my mind it's about knowing what what what's out there absolutely making sure that, that the foundations of data sharing data ethics and data management are in place um, and, and a real hunger for people to, uh, to understand the opportunities and, and, and to excite people with, with that. Because I believe at the same time that will open up those motivators for others to get on um, the digital inclusion journey, which will only help their health, wealth 
and ultimate well-being um, in the community if they if they are in, enabled and excited to make best use of these exciting tech technologies that are out there. Dr. Roxanne, you're very, very inspiring. And I really appreciate this conversation today. It has been just phenomenal for me to listen to you and hear your viewpoints on technology. And um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you. And if you're interested in learning more, please don't hesitate to visit us at CIO.com with the front slash UK. Thanks again.